Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go somewhere where things really slow down. I got to visit Vanuatu. Uh, Never been there before. I've been to some of the other places nearby Solomon Islands, Fiji, but um, Vanuatu was amazing. And the reason I was there, I went to visit a family, an amazing family called the Tabakaroo family. And this family in 2019, they sold up everything. They packed up their family. They lived locally around here and they moved their life over to Vanuatu. And um, they're an amazing bunch of people. They've got three kids, Isaac, Noah and Lavinia. And um, they shared with me this journey that the Lord had really taken them on to get them from here into Vanuatu. And I'd been hearing stories and, and there's people in the church. How many people here actually know of the Tabakaroo family? Yeah, okay, so a few. It was amazing to hear these stories of what they were doing and then see some of these connections through our church community. We reached a point where we just said, someone's got to go and see what's happening. And so um, I was that person. It was a tough gig, I tell you what. But um, they've packed up, they've moved over there. And Lucian is now the operations manager at a medical centre over there. It's an amazing fit for him. God's had a place for him specifically. And this is the only medical centre in their area apart from the local hospital. And this medical centre is actually in many ways resourced better than the hospital. Often the hospital reach out to them for help. And so it's just a vital part of the community and a space where he gets to connect with people from the community every single day and really understand what's going on there. Um, For Jaylene, the mother, she does a stack of different things, including homeschool her kids, which is a job in itself, right? Any homeschoolers? On top of that, she's um, jumped into things over there. She's super social. And so she helps run a Sunday school for the church they've connected with. She's launched a youth group there as well that they've never had before. She visits um, families in need um, all around there and she gets to pray for them and bless them. And they've started this school sponsorship program which um, people from all over the world get to sponsor a child to be able to go to school. And so she's the one that goes and stitches that up and connects with those families. And if you can imagine what that's like, it's generally um, the families that are really in need that their children are the ones who are getting sponsored to be able to go to school. And so um, they're doing all this stuff. She even started um, a rugby club um, for young people over there. There's soccer mad there. But one of her boys is rugby mad. And so they thought, well, what can we do? And so every Tuesday and Thursday, they drive around in their ute and they just drive the local streets. All the kids jump in the back of the ute and they head down to the local field and play some rugby. And so it was amazing to be with this family and just connect with them, spend a few days with them and really get to experience firsthand what they're doing and to see how God is working 
in that space. And I remember I was sitting with Lucien one day and we were just chatting and we were talking about how God had got them there and what He's doing in them and through them. And he said something that really stuck with me. He said, look, there's an overwhelming need here. Like you just look around and you can see the need everywhere. But he said, we're just doing what we can one by one. And that's why we call ourselves for the one Vanuatu. That's what they've called their ministry there. And that actually, that conversation actually really impacted me. It impacted me in the moment, but I went away and I was thinking over that because I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like life can be so busy and we can get caught up in doing all the things that we need to do that sometimes we feel like, Lord, what do you really have for me? Who are the people you have for me to go to? Where are these interactions happening? And I know this must sound really weird coming from a pastor, right? I get that. But I wonder if you feel the same way. If, if when we look at ministries like this, where these people get to actually just help people and bless people, if you feel like, what does that look like in my life? And I think this is a tension we can live with at times. And it, it often leads us into a space where we have to ask ourselves some tough questions some questions about whether we are actually living the life that God has called us to, whether we're actually being this shining light, this salt that God has called us to be in the places He has put us, whether we're having an influence, an impact, whether our very presence, the light in us is making a difference because we're going to the places God is calling us to. Tough questions, like when, when was the last time we actually got to talk to someone about Jesus? When was the last time, if ever, we actually led someone, maybe discipled someone to Jesus? That they came and they were searching and we said, I'm gonna walk this journey with you. These are tough questions and they're questions that are tough because so often, anytime we talk about evangelism, we can end up feeling condemned. As followers of Jesus, we can end up feeling like, I know that I am called to do this and I, I even wanna do it, but I don't do it. Amen? Is anyone with me? Or is this for me only? And the truth is that if we are not living this in some way, and I know it can look so different for all of us, then there are some serious problems. Because this river of life that we've been singing about this morning, it comes in and then it flows out of us. And there must be this point where we have such a good time as we get together and we praise the Lord and we worship and we get filled up and we get encouraged and we get equipped for what? to see the world transformed by the love of God. So it has to break out. It must. If it's not, then we have to ask ourselves some tough questions. And so I want to take you to some Scripture this morning. This is going to be a passage that many of you have read a thousand times. We find it in Luke 15. And it's one parable that Jesus tells in a group of three about lost things. So Luke 15, starting at verse one, 
I'm just going to read this whole thing. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Do you notice how tax collectors are a class of their own? I'm thinking that's implying like they're really bad. I don't know if we've got any tax collectors here today, what that looks like today, but bless you. Apparently you need Jesus. Um, The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me. I've found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Isn't this an amazing passage? And I know that we've, we've heard it a thousand times, many of us. If you've been in church, if you went to Sunday school as a kid, you know this and we're able to read this and for it to have little impact on us. But Jesus is telling this parable to reveal a greater spiritual truth. And so my prayer is that for each one of us, Holy Spirit will come and do that afresh for us today. As we take this little parable that we think, hey, this is a Sunday school story. What has God got for you and I in this this morning? I wanna share a few insights, some obvious things that stand out here. Number one is that the 99 in this passage are safe. It's the one the lost one that's in danger. And I wonder if we forget this at times. You know, it's pretty cool being saved, right? Oh, wow, that fell flat. (laughs) Does anyone else think it's good being saved? We get to come together. We we took communion this morning and and it, it was so beautiful to be able to come and just say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me, that you brought my freedom so that I can know You and live this life full of purpose. And we get to come together and I don't know if you enjoy church, I hope you enjoy church, but I think it's great when we get to gather together, we get to know amazing people, we get to be a part of incredible things and we get to know the Lord now and for eternity. But the truth is that there's this safety that's found in the flock We come into this place and it's where we're encouraged, where we have brothers and sisters who help keep us on track at times. Maybe if we stray, someone gives us a phone call and says, hey, I'm just checking in to see how you're going. Haven't seen you at church for a while. What's going on? If it's different situations, someone's like, we need to catch up for a coffee. Sometimes in our community here where we have a lot of people who are listening for what God's saying, someone might come to you and say, hey, I feel like I've got a word from the Lord for you. Can I pray for you? Can I share this for you? We have this amazing space where we get to come together and feel safe, actually be safe. And the Scriptures show us 
In 1 Peter 5, it talks about the enemy being like a lion that is waiting to find someone he can devour. And so the context is that when we get removed from the flock, when we're isolated, when we're outside of that space, there is a lion that is ready just to devour us. And he wants nothing good for us. I can tell you that. And so there's safety in the flock. Last Sunday, Mark Westy gave this amazing message about family and what it looks like to belong in that family and how it actually, it it doesn't matter what your biological family looks like. You get to come into this place where you are welcome, where you are accepted just as you are, where where you'll be loved, where it doesn't matter what those other things look like, but you get adopted into God's family when you're in the flock. So the language here is that we are all sheep, right? Are you getting this? Um, Sheep are not known as intelligent creatures. I just want you to know that, all right? It's, It's in the Bible. This is not from me. But we are the sheep in this flock and we get to be a part of it and there's safety in it. But here's the tension is that there are people who are lost There are people who have strayed away and they are in danger. This is what our text is teaching us. And the danger is not just that they get devoured. The danger is also that they live life without a good shepherd because the good shepherd is where it's at, right? So Jesus is talking to this group of people And we see at the start of the text that it's the Pharisees, that it's the religious leaders who are actually grumbling, who are actually looking down on Jesus for the people that he's spending time with. And it doesn't make sense, really, if you think about it. Like these are the people who are meant to know God, which means they're meant to know God's heart. Like, When Jesus comes and He spends time with people who need Him, surely it should be those people who are like, yay, this is good. Good work, man. You're doing a good job. And yet they're the ones who are grumbling. Second insight here is that every sheep has a high value. Every single sheep. And the other crazy thing about this text is that the shepherd leaves the 99 for the one, right? How easy would it be if you were the shepherd just to be like, well, I got 99, bad luck for the one, right? I'm going to hang on to the 99. And so Jesus is giving this message as He understands the grumbles of the people who are looking into this situation. He's actually talking to some of those people who do not understand that they are the lost sheep. And what he's trying to help them to understand is that every person, every one has a high value. And I think it's easy to forget this at times. It's easy to forget that God actually has a redemptive plan for everyone, the people that we walk past every day, that God's heart is for them. 
and that through those people, He has amazing things waiting for them. One of the highlights of my trip in Vanuatu was being invited to um, a school fundraiser night. It didn't start out as a school fundraiser. Over in the islands, things happen a little differently. And so it started out as an invitation. I was told I, got, I had the opportunity to go and speak to 100 students in a boarding school, uh, 15-year-olds. And so I was praying and thinking, Lord, what message do you have for me to bring to 115-year-olds? And then um, as I was stewing on that with the Lord, I heard, oh, no, it's not just the 15-year-olds, year it's the whole high school. I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. And then I heard, oh, and the primary school's coming now as well. And then I heard, actually, this has turned into a fundraiser. It's really changed gears where you and the Tabakaroo family are going to be the guests of honour and you're going to do your things and there's going to be a fundraising evening as well. Now it's hundreds of people. And I'm freaking out. I don't even know if anyone can understand what I'm saying, right? And so I'm like, Lord, what do you have for me to share with hundreds of people? But to start the night off, um, Jalen had actually invited a young girl that she knew to come and just to sing. And singing is such a big part of their culture. It's an amazing way to tell story. It's an amazing way to engage. And so this young girl with a beautiful voice had said, yeah, I'll come and I'll sing a couple of songs. Now, there's, there's, there's none of this, right? So there's a microphone and this pumping PA system that feeds back about every 20 seconds. And um, she gets up front and a cappella, she starts to sing this song. And the first song was Goodness of God. The second song was Oceans. And there's no backing track or anything like this. And as she closes her eyes, clearly nervous in front of hundreds of people, she starts to sing and the presence of God just moves into this place. And I was challenged because I, I realised, here you are, Dan, so consumed with what you're bringing that you don't realise that God's just all over this. And the highlight for me was seeing this young girl come and, and she was really nervous to start with and there was this moment where there was this gap in the lyrics and she just sang out the name of Jesus. And as she did that, things just shifted. And suddenly I realised that God is at work doing something far bigger than I actually realise here. And I got to hear more of this girl's story while I was there because she was someone that I got to meet who was clearly full of God's Spirit and just a passionate lover of Jesus. And her story starts with someone who cared for her, someone who reached out. She could have easily just been another number over there, a part of another poor family in the community, but someone reached out. And someone cared for her and, and discipled her and she was sponsored to go to school and here she was and now she's got some other opportunities that are opening up for her in life. And I thought, praise God. Praise God for the person who saw the one who wasn't too busy or who wasn't distracted by the great need but was able to see the one. And here in our text we see that this is the heart of God, that he leaves the 99 to go after the one. He decided that that one was worth going after. And that's God's heart for everyone, right? Third point is this, the good shepherd searches for the lost. 
It seems obvious. It's what the text is all about. It's the point that Jesus is trying to get across. But I think it's interesting when we put it together with the family of parables that we find in Luke 15, we see that there were three things that were lost. There was a sheep, a coin and a son. Now the sheep probably wandered off from the flock. The coin was lost through no fault of its own and the son left because of his own selfish desires and poor decisions. But in every parable, there was a father, a shepherd, who was willing to go after the lost, who had arms open, ready to search for the lost, waiting for the lost to be found. And so the tragic underlying message is that there would be a sheep, any sheep whatsoever, that would live in danger without knowing a good shepherd. This this is something that's meant to grip our hearts. For anyone that knows the good shepherd, we're meant to be rocked to the core by this, is that anyone could live their life without knowing Jesus, the good shepherd. You know, I was, I was lost myself for many, many years. I'd been introduced to Jesus at a young age and for many years I wandered off and I did my own thing. I was selfish. I made poor decisions. And God was searching for me that whole time. You know, I, I even remember at times living the party life, times where I was under the influence and I could hear the voice of the Father calling out to me saying, Dan, I want you to come back to me. Dan, I want you to come back to me. Our God is a God who searches for us, that He comes after us because of the great value. Now, I've got to put a little point in here, a bit of a theological disclaimer here. I do not believe that this passage or what Jesus is sharing here is a, is a message that is ultimately about evangelism. I think Jesus is sharing with these people, with his listeners at the time, because this text is primarily about revealing the heart of God, that that's what it's about. But the challenge for us is, and Jesus in some ways invites us to jump into this story, the challenge for us is to read this without putting ourselves in the story or without looking at the model of ministry. That I mean, Jesus is the greatest leader that's ever existed, right? I love seeing, he took 11 and he changed the world with 11, 11 pretty average blokes. This was his model of ministry. And so we look at this and we get to think, what is actually going on here? And what does this look like for me? And I don't mind taking this kind of step, this change of angle as we look at this passage, because I know that it's still biblical, that the Father has called us to be people who would go to the ones. That we don't, there's, there's no conflict in Scripture for this. In Romans 10, it says this, How can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? 
How can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? How can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Now, Scripture shows us, if we're looking at this model, Scripture shows us stories of both the crowds and the ones. We know that Jesus was great with the crowds. In this context, we're reading about, there's people all around Him. He stops and He gives them this message, right? But we know that Jesus was brilliant with the ones. We get to read about those interactions in the Gospels. The Samaritan woman, the demon-possessed man, the paralytic on the mat, the woman with the issue of blood, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm having dinner at your house, right? He was amazing. Could have walked past every single opportunity, had many other things to do, right? Jesus was brilliant with the one. I heard this great story this week. I was with some local pastors and a friend of mine named Russell was sharing how uh, he's got this number plate on his car. You might even see it around the place. John 3.16, right? Crazy Christian. Love it. And so he's driving through D-Bay and um, this car pulls up beside him at the lights and the guy's like, wind down your window, wind down your window. Russell's a bit like, okay, what's going on here? So he winds down his window and the guy's like, Jesus! And Russell's like, Jesus! And he's like, how good's Jesus, mate? He's like, John 3, 16, Jesus. And Russell's like, yeah, yeah, good. Anyway, light changes, they drive on, they pull up next to each other at the next light and the guy's like, Wind down your window. Russell's like, okay. He's like, Jesus changed my life. He's like, six years ago, I was a drug addict. My life was a mess. I walked into a church and Jesus transformed my life. Now Russell's like, oh, this is cool. This is really cool. So Russ goes, pull over up here. We got to talk, right? I want to hear more. So pull over on the side of the road. And they start talking about what God has done in this guy's life. And he's reaching out to anyone he can just to grow and be discipled. And Russell's like, well, I'm going to help you out, man. He says, I've got such a heart now just to go to people who are in my very situation and tell them about how amazing Jesus is. Isn't that cool? These are the ones. These are the things that God wants to do. And the Pharisees... The Pharisees were not concerned with the lost sheep. They didn't worry about the lost sheep. In fact, they looked down on Jesus when He spent time with the sinners, right? But the tension here is that often I can live like a Pharisee. And we read this text and we think, oh, that's them, I'm part of the flock. You know, that's not me that Jesus is speaking to. But so often I am the person who's living like the Pharisee, the religious person that knows all the stuff and even does all the stuff and yet doesn't make time for the one. Or maybe even looks down on them because that's not the lifestyle that I live. That's not the person I wanna be. They're not the places that I wanna go and spend my time. So often I'm the Pharisee in this parable, right? 
and what impacts me so much by the person of Jesus. This is amazing, right? If you've never seen this, get a hold of this. He was perfect in every way, right? He didn't compromise. He's not at the pub getting smashed so that he can reach people, right? He's not compromising on who he is or what he believes. And yet sinners were drawn to him. And I know that at times I'm guilty of living this holy life, pursuing God in a way that inadvertently says to people, you're not welcome here. I can tell that this guy is different to me and I don't measure up. And that actually breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that I accidentally, intentionally, whatever that looks like, could make one of God's children feel that way, right? Someone who God has such a high value on. But I have to look at this and say, sometimes I'm the Pharisee. So how does this happen? If we look at some of our insights from the text, number one, if we're safe in the flock, then we know that in the flock we can also get comfortable and we can get apathetic. That our care for the lost can drift off as we get caught up in what's going on for us, right? Number two is that we we can know that God has a high value on every person, every life, but it ceases to motivate us to any action. Number three is that we can forget our own story. If God searches, we forget that God searched for us. We disengage with this personal story. It just becomes something that we just accept. Love in Romans 2, it puts it this way. It says, it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not repentance that leads us to His kindness, right? Romans 5, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's the Father who searches, who reaches out for us because of His love. And so what needs to happen? How do we shift this? How do we change this? I remember this, um, I remember reading this book. It's called uh, Just Walk Across the Room, Bill Hybels. Amazing book about evangelism, sharing our faith. Well worth reading if you're a reader. And uh, I remember in one part in that book, he said something along these lines, but um, he would see these indicators in his lives at times that reminded him that he just lost the father's heart. And he shares about this day that he's driving home and he gets home and the mower man's been that day and he is furious because the lines in his grass are all wonky, right? Now there's some people in this room and you know know the fury that I'm talking about, right? Are there any lawn people? I know there's some, Uh uh-huh. And in that moment, it's like a red flag. It's like a trigger for him to remind him, hey, I've lost perspective here. And what do I need to do to shift this perspective to connect with the Father's heart again? And for him, he books a mission trip straight away. He's got to get somewhere where people don't even have lawn, let alone a mower man, right? He's got to shift his perspective and align his heart with the Father's heart once again. 
And I think the same is true for you and I. If this message no longer impacts us, who our incredible Father is, that He places extremely high value on every single person, then we need to actually see this as a trigger, as a warning light, and we need to respond in ways that will help our hearts to align with His heart once again. So what's that look like for you? I could spoon feed this today and give you all these examples, but it's gonna look different for nearly every single one of us. For some, it's gonna be mission trips. For some, it's gonna be volunteering here, there, everywhere. For some, it's gonna be actually just having a quiet time and pressing in and being grateful. For some, it's taking communion every day of the week, stopping and just fixing our eyes on the Lord. It can be a thousand different things, but I wonder what it is for you. How is the Lord going to grip your heart in a way that actually moves you to action? So I'm going to invite the band up and I just want to give you three things to think about as I finish here. Number one, you're either a lost sheep or a found sheep. Which one is it? (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. But if you're here today or if you're listening online and you've realised just in this short time that you are a lost sheep, I want to encourage you that today can be the day where you become a found one and that God's heart is so for you. In fact, He, he, he loves you so much. He's running out to greet you with open arms. Number two, don't be paralysed by the crowd. Start with the one. Sometimes we get overwhelmed with the need. But if you, if you reach one person, if you bless one person, maybe it's every day, that starts to add up really quickly. And what's great, that's addition. What's great is multiplication. If you reach one person and they reach another person, now there's a multiplication effect. And now things are really happening. Number three, People who are far from God are close to His heart. Just keep that in mind. Don't write anyone off. Don't be the judge in this situation. Remember that those who are far from God are very close to His heart. I wanna invite you just to jump on your feet. I just wanna show you this as I close this morning, that at Hope Community, we have these six R words that kind of capture our heart as a faith community. And I want you to see how this message actually fits in with who we believe God has called us to be. The six R words, a refuge, relationship, restoration, resurrection, renewal and release. God has called us both as followers of Jesus and as a local expression of His heart to be those who would both receive His love and give His love to the world. And so I'm gonna pray this morning and I'm gonna gonna pray and just ask that Holy Spirit would reveal to you what it looks like for you to be that person who receives God's love and gives it, who goes after the ones. And so Father, we just thank You, Lord, Thank You that uh, You, You are this God who is not distant, 
who is not disconnected, that you're not completely above us all and uncaring, that it's not about the wheels being set in motion and you just sitting back and watching it happen, Father. But you're a God who loves unconditionally. You're a God who loves every single person, who has a desire to see every single person come into relationship with you. So I pray for those who are here this morning and perhaps they've got this stronghold where they feel unworthy, where they feel like they're not worthy of love or acceptance or they're too far gone. And Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that You'd reach out and touch their heart. Remind them afresh of who You really are, Lord. Help open their eyes to Your goodness, to Your grace, to Your mercy, to Your love, Lord. For each one of us, Father, I just pray that You show us how we are to be those who search out, who go to the ones, Lord, whether it's a blessing, whether it's praying for someone, whether it's sharing the Gospel, whatever that looks like, Father, there is a room full of unique people here that You've gifted, You've created so unique, Lord, and You've got amazing things for each one of us. And so Holy Spirit, I pray, speak now. Show us who some of the ones are in our life, Lord. Show us where You're taking us. Show us where we've got to go to search out some of those ones, Lord. And Father, we just thank You that we get to be a part of Your flock, of knowing You, Father, being a part of Your plans and purpose, seeing more people come into the flock, Lord, and knowing what it is to know the Good Shepherd, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' Name, Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.